0: I love the parables, and I love the parables because they're powerful. This is one parable in in, uh, Matthew chapter 13, and uh, Nancy, I'm going to apologize to you. I'm not going to use those slides this morning after you worked so hard to put them together. Love you, mean it. (laughs) Uh, But you have the text in front of you there, and I want to talk a little bit about the parable in relation to the context. Jesus has been taking a lot of heat from the Pharisees. And uh, they've been at him throughout this portion of his ministry time. And so, Curtis, can you hand me my Bible down there? And I think that's my notes, which without, I'm dead. Thank you. You see how I make the senior pastor do my bidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hear about that on Monday. Uh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, All right. So, uh... The text is Jesus is preaching, and the Pharisees are a problem, and he tells his stories in parables, and the disciples go, what was that about? Jesus says, I tell you the stories in parables because the religious leaders don't understand parables. They need everything blah, 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 B, B, everything. Uh, the other part of that was that story is powerful. Story is powerful because within us is the seed of story. We all believe that there's once upon a time. We're all hoping and believing for a happily ever after. And it's a story and the structure of a story that resonates within us because it's God. It's God, the nature of story, and that's why it's powerful. And so Jesus communicated through these stories. And the story is about what? What is the story about? Well, my first thought would be, or maybe your first thought was, it's about soils. I mean, that takes up most of the text. Soils. And there's three kinds of soils. Actually, there are four kinds of soils. But, um... The first three. Uh, and, And the nature of all three soils is similar in that they're ineffective. They're ineffective or unfruitful. There's something about something that happens. So we go in and look at why, what made the soil unproductive or unfruitful. The first case was a bird. Now, this is interesting. This is one of the few parables that Jesus actually explains. Leaves nothing up for grabs. So there's no question about what he was talking about here as far as his allegories. What does the bird represent? You can go to verse 19, I think. And find out what the, who, who was the bird in the story. Hello? Satan. Satan is the bird. So the farmer goes out to sow the seed. It falls along the path. And the bird comes and eat it up. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, and the bird is the devil. By the way, I think we need to go back here and establish something. We haven't talked about the characters. Well, we need to start with the seed. What is the seed in the story? Everything is representative. It's all allegory. So what does the seed represent? The Word of God. So the seed is the word. Who has the word? The sower. Who are the sowers? You are. You have the seed. You have the good news. If you have the good news, you're a sower. And who does that make the soils? The world, the unsaved, people who are lost. Anybody who hasn't heard the word and received the word, there's your characters, a seed, a soil, and a sower. All right? So, now we're looking at these soils. We're going to focus on the soils just for a second here. Uh, Ineffective sowers. Uh, Well, the unproductive soil in the first case was a result of the lie of the who? The devil. It was the devil and the bird that stole the seed. So, the soil was ineffective or unproductive or unfruitful because of the lies of the devil. I want to talk about lies. I want to talk about, in part, the nature of why things are unproductive or unfruitful. These uh, birds, the devil steals the seed. Okay, the second one in verse 21. What is the problem with that soil? Why is it ineffective? Why is it unproductive? You can look in verse 21, find out. Remember the story? I gave you the visual demonstration. Seed comes up, ooh, didn't get enough uh, root, and it scorched the plant, withered, and died. And Jesus says, that represents trouble and persecution because of the word. Trouble and persecution. I'm gonna call that the lie of the flesh. You know how that is. As soon as things starts coming at you, I, I tell my guys all the time, you know, when people get bumped, they want to point at the bumper. They want to say, Oh, that person did this and that person did that. And you see, and Jesus wants to say, I want you to focus on what's spilled out in you. It's not the bumper that's the problem here, it's the bumpy. And so you get bumped and you're like, And Jesus wants to say, Would you just stay focused for two seconds? What's spilled out in you? That is the flesh. All right? So it's a lie of the flesh. Trouble and persecution because of the world. Okay? And then the, lie, uh, 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 the flesh. The last lie was the last lie. Verse 22. Remember the story? And the thorn represented what? Deceitfulness of wealth. Or... Cares and concerns of the world. This is the lie of the world. Folks, here's my thesis. Even though Satan is the father of all lies, lies come from three places. There's three different kinds of lies. There's the lie that affects your spirit, which is the lie of the devil. There's a lie that affects your uh, flesh, which is the lie of uh, the flesh. (laughs) And there's a lie that affects uh, body, mind, body, body. And then mind is the world. All right? Three lies, three unproductive soils. All right, let's talk about these lies real quick. Let's look at the lie of the devil. First of all, John 8, 44 says that Satan is the father of all what? So he's the big king of all the lies. His native tongue is lying, the Bible says in that passage. He's a liar, father of all lies. You know what the greatest lie of the devil is? You're not worthy. That is the And you can always tell when you feel condemnation. There is nothing about God that is associated with condemnation. The Spirit of God brings conviction. Condemnation is never from God. So you always know that lie is coming from somewhere if you feel condemned. And normally the devil is saying, you couldn't because of your past. You know what you should do when a devil reminds you of your past? You remind him of his future. Magic. Magic. Lies of the devil. Ephesians 6.12 says, For your struggle is not against, it's not against other people, it's not against flesh and blood, it's against spiritual forces of evil in the world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay. And then that whole passage, of Ephesians 6 is all about what? Therefore put on the full, and that is your strategy against fighting the devil. Your strategy for overcoming the lie of the devil is the armor of God and the blood of Jesus, and your testimony. (laughs) They help you to be overcomers, too. But, in this case, fight him with the armor of God. That's another study for another time, all right? The armor of God. The lies of the who? Come on. Lies of the what? Shall we? Stay with me, people. Battle strategy. Okay. Lies of the flesh. What does the lie of the flesh sound like? Oh, I know you know. You know how I know you know? Because you're wearing the same outfit I am today. We all got the same clothes on. This space suit that we call the flesh. And the lie of the flesh always sounds the same. What did that give it to me? Oh, wow. Alrighty then. That's the lie of the flesh. Recognize it? You should. Let's look at a few passages. James 1.14. I love this passage, each person is tempted when by their own, when by their own evil desire, sinful nature, they are dragged away and enticed, and once sin has conceived, it gives birth to death, I'm sorry, once desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and once sin sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. You know, this is one of the hardest things in children's ministry. Because when kids come to me and they want to talk about salvation, the problem is they don't understand their need for a Savior. Do you know why they don't really understand their need for a Savior? Because they cannot comprehend their sin nature. It's very different. I, I believe in salvation in children. I wouldn't be a children's pastor if I didn't. But I'm just telling you, it is hard for a child to understand that they are sinful. And it has nothing to do with what they do. Do you understand that, church? Do I need to tell it? Do I need to preach? If I will. Your sin has nothing to do with what you do. I mean, it's, yeah, but the problem is your sin nature. You're evil. We are evil. That's why God has to make us new. And so the lies of the flesh. James 1, 4, uh, Romans seven eighteen. And this is Paul. I love this because it's Paul, you know, that great theologian who has it all right. He's got it. That Paul, he says, I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't do what I'm not supposed to do. It's such a problem. That was the N.I.J., the New International Jeff, but you get the version. You can read it there. I know that nothing good lives in me. It's my sinful nature. I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. What I do is not the good I want to do. Uh, The evil I do, I don't want to do, but this I keep on doing. Galatians 5, 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the, call it the flesh. And I love Christians, they're always like, that devil, let's pray against the devil. You know what? The devil is nowhere to be found. You know why? Because the devil isn't omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He just doesn't waste his very strategic forces messing with you when your flesh is in control. So the lie of the flesh makes you an ineffective sower. Or soil. We'll get there. All right, here we go. The... The last one, oh, uh, I want to talk about a battle strategy, and Pastor Curtis has been talking about this. How do you combat a lie of the flesh? Spiritual disciplines. We've been doing a book in our small group called, uh, I I don't remember. Anyway, it's about spiritual disciplines in an urban setting. What does spiritual disciplines look like in an urban setting? (laughs) Email me, text me, call me, I'll tell you. (laughs) And um, it's spiritual disciplines. Try fasting and then tell me how strong your flesh is. That'll put it all in perspective. Fast a day and then tell me your flesh isn't strong. All right? Spiritual disciplines, put down the flesh. And the last one is the lies of the world. What does this lie sound like? He that dies with the most toys wins. You know the other bumper sticker that should go with that? He that dies with the most toys still dies. And then what? (laughs) I love that. Uh, You know what this is? The lie of the world is avarice. Avarice. You are what you have. You are what you do. Everything about you is defined by external variables. Avarice. lie of the world. And there is another lie of the world which is fastly becoming much more dominant, and it's deception. The spirit of the age in the latter days is deception. And there is a spirit of deception that is coming over us, folks. Uh, I believe it's part of the signs of the end of the age, according to Matthew 24, but we can talk about that sometime later. First Timothy 6.10 says, the love of what is the root of all? The love of what is the root of all? I love the fact that it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Money's not bad. It's your love of money. It's how you define yourself by your money, by your things. And we all do it. It's so hard to do because we live in the world, but we're not of it. How do we combat that lie? We combat that lie by going back to Romans 12, 12, 12, 12.1, 12.2. 12.1 says it's the definitive passage on worship in the New Testament. Therefore, brothers, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The next verse says... Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. So, as your act of worship, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, how do you do that? Your homework assignment is Colossians 3. That's how you do that. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Lies of the, where, what are the lies now? Let's go back and look at them. The lies of the, huh? The lies of the, And the, uh, yeah, the lies of the flesh and the lies of the three lies that make soils ineffective. And here's where I want to make a transition and close. I'm not concerned about the soils this morning. Obviously, I'm not talking to soils. I assume I'm not talking to soils. I'm talking to sowers. And my thesis is you, can be ineffective because the truth of the lies is universal. So you believe the lies of the devil. You believe the lies of the flesh. You believe the lies of the world. And because of that, you're ineffective. But it doesn't have to be that way. You have strategies, but there's something more important. And this is the message, this is the word the Lord wanted me to share with you this morning. What is it about the sower in the story? He goes out and he sows, and what happens? And he goes out and he sows, and what happens? Oh, the rocks! Oh. And he goes out and he sows, and what happens? Oh, those thorns! But he keeps sowing. Keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. Keep sowing because eventually, what happens? It lands in fertile soil, and there's fruit. 30, 60, 90, 100 times that which was sown. Galatians 6, 9 says, and I love the way this is framed within the context of the message this morning. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, time... Seasons is biblical. Ecclesiastes talks a lot about season. It's spiritual that you're in seasons of life. God is doing things. He did it with the Israelites in the wilderness, in Egypt. It was always a season of what he was doing. You can find the will of God and the purposes of God by examining the seasons in your life. So seasons are, but in this context, as a sower, know that there are going to be seasons. There are going to be seasons. But you just keep sowing Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due you will reap, reap, or harvest a reward. Someday I hope to preach that message on the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't about your salvation. This is about your rewards. Your rewards in heaven. And they matter. Your works matter. Not unto your salvation, but they matter. You just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. And don't give up. Are you an effective sower this morning? And as I close, I want to share a little piece with you. Uh, we want, God wants you to be an effective sower. He wants to reward you for the work he's called you to do and empowered you by his Holy Spirit to perform. He wants that for you. The greatest, saddest moment of our lives is going to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ when we see all that God had planned for us and we have to marry that up to what we did. It's going to be very, very... It's going to be tough because it's a mixed emotion there you are sitting at the throne but there's your works and there they fall they're burned where they make it through the burning anyway the point is this don't give up learn how to battle the lies of your flesh learn how to battle the lies of the devil and learn how to battle the lies of the world so that you can be an effective sower all right we're going to close with this